If you're here on campus and you're willing, would you please stand for our scripture of the day? You can follow along on the screen, uh, the screens as I read uh, from Luke chapter two. This is what it says. And the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want to say hi uh, to everyone here on campus, those of you joining us online. Wonderful to have you with us today, whether here or online. It's great to be together. Uh, before we get to the sermon of this morning, I just want to give a quick financial update as we close our year. As we've been sharing throughout the month of December, uh, we've asked you to pray and consider making your year-end gift to Orangewood Church and to our general fund. Um, as we close our calendar and our financial year, uh, we find for this month, the month of December, to, we need to receive $675,000 to meet our goal for budget. And now this is a pretty typical number, as I understand, for the month of December for us as a church, which in many ways is remarkable. Uh, in light of the 2020 we've had, in light of the other um, generosity projects we've asked you uh, to give to, whether here locally or around the world, that we are at the typical number we need to breathe in is pretty incredible. Uh, but it's still a pretty sizable number. And so we'll, we'll need all of us in this together, big gifts, small gifts, everything in between. And uh, so I would just want to say, first of all, thank you so much for giving so faithfully this year. Way to go, church. Um, and then I just would ask you to prayerfully consider uh, how you could help us finish strong and close this year. If you are new with us today or you're joining us and you're new online with us, uh, I'm really glad you're here. Uh, we are in a sermon series called Unimaginable Arrival. Uh, we are in the beginning of the church calendar year in the season called Advent. And Advent just simply means arrival. The season of Advent is about regaining perspective. It's about how do I look and find joy in light of this year? How do I find joy in 2020? We live in a world where evil still exists, but the story of Advent is there is one who is coming. 
one who will be born into our world, no matter what you and I face this morning, there is joy on the horizon. You can feel overwhelmed by reality, or you can journey home full of joy, praising God, just like the shepherd's perspective will always determine your response. I read this a couple years ago. A daughter was off at college and she wrote home to her mom. And this is what she said. Dear mom, I'm sorry I haven't written sooner. My arm is broken and my leg is too. I broke them when I jumped from the second floor of my dormitory when we had a fire. We were lucky. A young service station attendant saw the blaze. He called the fire department. They were there in minutes. And I was in the hospital for a few days. Paul, the service station attendant, came to see me every day. And because it was taking so long to get our dormitory livable again, I moved in with him. He's been so nice. I must admit that I am pregnant. Paul and I plan to get married just as soon as he can get a divorce. I hope things are going fine at home. Love your daughter, Susie. P.S. Mom, none of the above is true, but I did get a C in sociology and I flunked chemistry. I just wanted you to receive this news with the proper perspective. (laughs) You see, a proper perspective allows us to step back and see the larger picture. What's really going on here? Perspective means putting things in their proper place. How do we, how do you and I find joy in 2020? Well, three things we must see to gain the perspective we need and to find joy. The true king, the unlikely hearers, and the good news. First, let's look at the true king. It would be hard for us to gain the perspective we need because there was a battle in the first century for who was the king of the world. A few ways we see this. First, there was another person in the first century claiming to be the true king. We did not include it in our scripture reading today, but verse one of chapter two, we read about Caesar Augustus and he issued a census. He was claiming to be God in the flesh and king of all. He, he was the ruler of all the known world. I shared last week that there were no political um, commercials that you would receive while you were on YouTube. Uh, there were no commercials that you would have seen uh, during the six o'clock news. Uh, in the marketplace in the first century, uh, people would pass each other and they would announce a, a greeting of blessing over everyone that they would see. And the greeting went like this, Caesar is Lord. One of the main ways uh, the emperor built his allegiance in the first century and released his propaganda was through coins that were used in the marketplace. One coin that circulated around this time in the first century uh, was a coin with the picture of Caesar Augustus on one side. And on the other side of the coin was a phrase that simply read, Divi Philos. Divi Philos means son of God, son of God. Caesar Augustus believed himself to be the son of God. 
He was the first Caesar to promote temple worship for Caesar. Uh, He claimed to be the savior of the world. In fact, we've found inscriptions from 9 BC that identify Augustus as God, son of God, and savior of the world. These inscriptions associate him with peace, with hope, and you guessed it, joy. If you wanted joy in the first century, passing others in the marketplace, they would have told you, look no further. Caesar is king. Caesar is Lord. While Caesar offered joy in his name, Advent is a season where we are invited to shift our perspective to see the true king who is lying in a manger And through him and through him alone, there is joy to be found. Second, while the Roman army was known as this massive army that conquered all the known world at this time, we also read in verse 13 of an army of this true king. It reads this, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. The word for host here in the Greek is stratia. It's the word for army. You probably hear another English word in stratia. It's the word strategy. This is a massive army, a heavenly army, an army much bigger and much larger than the army of the Roman Empire. And lastly, we notice the scene of this true king. He is lying in a major. In a world built on power, on rising to the top, in a world built on meritocracy. And what do you have to offer You would think that Jesus would have been born in a mansion and not in a manger surrounded by the stench of the animals. St. Jerome from the fourth century, I think, shares the audacity of the scene we find the manger. This is what he says. Christ found no room in the holy of holies that shone with gold, precious stones, pure silk and silver. He is not born in the midst of gold and riches, but in the midst of dung. The question of the first century was not if you would show allegiance to a king, it was to whom would you show allegiance? Where would you look for joy? Who is the true king? You see, we'll have to shift our perspective to find this joy Because the world's joys look very different from the joy that is being born into Christmas this year. Uh, David Brooks uh, is a New York columnist and a best-selling author. He's written many books. Um, But he wrote a book called The Road to Character. And he outlines in that book his life and his career as a writer and an author. And he, he shares about his search for Caesar virtues, what he calls in the book, Resume virtues. Uh, What are the things I can do to build my resume? What what are the things I need to accomplish to show my success, to to validate my worth, to validate my existence? Uh, What ends up on my resume that shows that I've earned everyone's approval, that I've made it? I've made it to the top. But he began to notice in his life this incredible emptiness and exhaustion. Brooks began to ask, why am I looking to these things for joy that just keep leaving me empty? Ironically, this best-selling author tells us we need to leave behind the palace accolades 
and receive the manger credentials. He says in the book that we, we need to pursue not resume virtues, but the Christ virtues or what he calls eulogy virtues. He says the joy that keeps escaping us as we work ourselves into the ground, the joy that keeps escaping us as we stop at nothing to gain everyone else's approval, the joy that keeps escaping us can be found actually in the manger. Joy comes with the building of character, not in the palace of gold, but next to the baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, surrounded by the stench of the animals. Do you see why this joy is so hard to find? It goes against everything you might be working for, everything you might be searching for, everything you might be living for, everything you might be striving for. You see, we have to have a king. The question is, who is your king? As the great Bob Dylan said through song, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to have to serve somebody. Who is your king? There may be no better question for you to answer this Christmas. But to find joy, we can't just change our perspective on who is the true king. We also have to see the unlikely hearers. The message of Christmas comes to, of all people, of all people, the shepherds. This is what we read in verse 9. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It is startling to see the mixture of people around this baby that first Christmas. If you're new with us, we discussed last week about these wise men from the east. Uh, our depiction of them was that they were dabbling in sorcery. But what we find is they were more like scientists who studied the stars. Uh, they were extremely educated. They were there at that first Christmas. But notice the hearers in our passage, the other group at the manger, it is the shepherds. What we have to understand is what we would imagine about Christmas would that it would be delivered only to the elites, the well-to-do, the beautiful, the ones who have it all together. But what we find in the message of Christmas is that it comes to the shepherds. We have to understand the first century that the hearers would not have been what you expected. You see, the, the shepherds had a horrible reputation. We learn that these shepherds in our passage are keeping watch over the flocks by night. Uh, because they were always in the fields caring for the animals, they remained ceremonially unclean, and they were treated as outcasts by the rest of the Jewish community. In fact, a third century rabbi said this, there is no more despised occupation in the world than that of shepherds. The Mishnah, which is the oral commentary on the Hebrew Old Testament, we read this. It says this, a man should not teach his son to be a barber or a sailor or a shepherd or a shopkeeper for their craft is the craft of robbers. Now, I know what you may be thinking. How could you possibly have beef with the barber? How the barber, uh, he, he's so nice. But here we learn that shepherds were part 
of the craft of robbers. And their testimony was not admissible in the court of law. One side note, the first hearers of the birth of Christ were the shepherds. The first hearers of the resurrection were the women. Both of them in the first century, their testimony was inadmissible in the court of law. If you were making up a story about Jesus being born into this world, if you were making that story up, it makes absolutely no sense at all for the shepherds to be the first hearers of the story. The only reason you would have them as the first hearers of this story is because it is true. It's the only possible explanation. We have further documentation from the first century that with the exception of lepers, Shepherds were the lowest class of men in Israel. I remember living for three plus years in Los Angeles. Uh, in the time that I was out there, there was a season of my life, I can't remember exactly how long it was, that uh, a group of us would go to downtown LA to a place called Skid Row where we would meet people. We would arrive there about midnight and we'd stay till about three or four in the morning to meet people in Skid Row. And if you've never heard of Skid Row, it is America's homelessness capital. This neighborhood, a 54 block area, is made up with people whose lives are on the skids, if you will. Poor, struggling, addicted. I had recently moved from North Carolina to LA and upon going out these first few nights to Skid Row, I realized I am not in North Carolina anymore. The things I saw, the sadness that existed, the hopelessness that was pervasive, the heartbreaking stories of the people I met, some of them were there because of situations that were outside of their control and they could never have foreseen. Others were there because of a collection of choices. I remember meeting a guy named Larry. Larry had made the mistake of trying heroin just one time, and then he was hooked. We began to talk about life and connecting about his family. That is until Larry decided it was time for his next fix. Friends, I share this story with you uh, because when I imagine that joyful little nativity set in your home with all those cute little figurines, I think of Larry. I think of him standing in the back of the birth of the baby because the gospel message did not come to Beverly Hills. It came to Skid Row. It came to the down and out, to the poor, to the isolated, to the anxiety filled, to those who've been beat up by life. It came to those who think they should not be allowed at this manger. This morning, if you're here and you cannot possibly imagine, why would God accept me to the manger after the 2020 I have had? After the loneliness that has existed, after the addiction that has still found me, after the depression that has only grown stronger, for those who are asking, does anyone see me this morning? May you hear the message of Christmas is for anyone and everyone, especially Larry. No matter what has happened, 
no matter what you've allowed to define you, the gospel message this Christmas is for anyone willing to listen. Aaron Klink is a professor from Duke University, and I think he sums it up well. The gospel reminds us that God appears to the less than perfect and less than powerful. Too often people think God will not speak to them because they are aware of their sin or because they think their lives are less than holy or because the church has told them so. By appearing to shepherds, God showed God's willingness to appear to anyone who will listen. The question this morning, friends, is are you listening? Not to me, (laughs) not to me. Are you listening to the one who calls you and beckons you again to the manger? And what is he telling you? I know what he's telling you. The news. He's telling you the news. That's the third thing that we have to see if we want to gain the perspective we need this Christmas and find joy. We need to hear once again the news. Listen to the angel's announcement. And the angel said to them, fear not, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The angel does not declare good advice. That's the message of every other religion in this world. The angel doesn't declare a good command. That was the message of Caesar Augustus. The angel declares good news. Good news for all people. You see, Caesar's news was a message of conquest. It was a a news of blind obedience to keep your life. That's not joy. Uh, Rachel and I will celebrate our 13th anniversary in a little over a week. But imagine the scene on our anniversary. I uh, surprise her. I, I come home a little early from work. Uh, I do something I would never normally do because it's my house. I I go to the front door and I ring the doorbell. I wait until she comes to answer the door. She's perplexed. She's confused. She's wondering, why is he ringing the doorbell of our house? She opens the door and there I stand with a bouquet of flowers. And I simply say, Happy anniversary, Rachel. And she will say, oh, Tyler, you are the most amazing husband in the world. (laughs) At least she should be thinking that. (laughs) You're the most amazing husband in the world. You shouldn't have done it. But what? You shouldn't have done it. But why? but why would you do this? And I respond, well, Rachel, it's my duty. I'm telling you right now, friends, joy would not be welling up in her heart. That's not good news. You and I 
need good news that gives us a new reality and a new way to life than what we have been living. We see that Mary got it in verse 19. It tells us she's treasuring up all this news in her heart. We see the shepherds got it in verse 20. It tells us they're journeying back to their fields, glorifying and praising God of this news. They had an encounter. It is not good advice or a good command. We need this Christmas. You and I need good news. How do we get it? How do we get it? Well, we learned that in verse 11. It says this. For unto you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. I love the way the great reformer Martin Luther gets to this news in this passage. He, he writes that it's not simply that Christ is born, but for you, for you, he is born. Luther goes on. What good would it do me if he were born a thousand times? And if it were sung to me every day with the loveliest airs, if I should not hear that there is, there was something in it for me that I, that should be my own. This is good news of great joy for you, for you. Not because you've earned it. I mean, look at these shepherds. They didn't know what was coming their way. It was, it came to them. But they point to the true shepherd who enters our world to bring us joy and to bring us life. when We have been looking for it in a thousand other places. The joy that keeps slipping through our fingers that the true shepherd longs to give you this morning. I love the way David talks about it in Psalm 23. And maybe you've heard this verse before, but maybe you need to shift your perspective this morning. He said this, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The good news of our Christmas story is it is pointing us to the true shepherd who cares for our souls and those who find themselves in him have joy beyond comparison. I love the way Dallas Willard talks about it. He says, because Jesus, the true shepherd has entered our world, he gives us an eternal kind of life right here and now. And he said provocatively, this present world is a perfectly safe place to be. Now, I know what someone has to be thinking. Come on, Tyler. Perfectly safe place to be. Pandemic, cancer, terrorism, social unrest. We're on the verge of a civil war, political division, racial division, drug addiction, social media addiction. Safe, safe. Because the true shepherd has come. Because he is here with us right now, no matter what you are facing, this present world is a perfectly safe place to be with him. If you will put your trust and confidence in Jesus, your true shepherd, he will lead you to a life where you lack nothing. Do you want that? 
Dallas Willard goes on to drive this home, that the thing that you have been hoping for, holding out hope for, the thing that, that, that worries you, that fills your mind, that consumes you, that you say, once I get that, he, he says, whatever feels like lack to you is a mirage in the desert because the true shepherd has good news for you this morning. There is a joy. There is a joy available to anyone and anyone who is willing to listen. You are safe in his arms and in his care. Jesus declared it pretty simply in John 10. He said this, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd you have been searching for. I'm the good shepherd who will hold you no matter what you are facing. Will you trust him with your life to lead you and guide you, to teach you and to walk with you through your days? This is the good news of great joy for all people. The true shepherd has come. This present world is a perfectly safe place to be with him. Friends, there is a shepherd that with him, you lack nothing you need. And there is a joy he is ready to give you that will overflow the banks of the rivers in your soul. I've always loved George Herbert's poems. They really speak to me and he really gets at the beauty of the gospel. And this is what he said. The God of love my shepherd is and he that doth me feed. While he is mine and I am his, what can I want or need? Joy to the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. The true shepherd is here. And all who would run to him would find the joy that they are looking for and the joy he longs to give. Let's pray. Our Father, our good Father, we thank you that there is good news of great joy for us, for us this morning. No matter what is worrying us, no, no matter what is overwhelming us, uh, no matter what feels like is consuming us this morning, teach us to trust you with our life to surrender it to you and to follow you as you lead us to joy. We pray this in Jesus name and everyone said, amen. Amen.